Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Sean Jones NBA Show. Today, we're going to talk about my reaction to the NBA Finals, how the Warriors were able to put this team together and win the championship. We'll look back a little bit at their season and their run throughout the playoffs. Then we'll focus over on what this means for their legacy, where this team ranks among recent NBA champions, and if they're going to be able to sustain the success and repeat next season. Then we will move over to the Celtics and talk about what this loss means for them and where they go from here. So starting off with the Warriors, before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of the finals this year, I want to talk about kind of the story of their season, um, just big picture on where they were coming into the year. I'm going to be honest, I did not uh, believe in them this year at all. I mean, last year they had pretty much the same team, except obviously we, without Clay Thompson, um, but they couldn't even make the playoffs. Um, so I, I didn't have very high expectations for them coming into the year, for being honest. Um, I know that Clay obviously makes a big difference, but to go from not even in the playoffs to winning the finals is a pretty big jump, um, especially for a guy who hadn't played in, what was it, almost or three years or so? I mean, that's pretty unprecedented uh, to come back and um, have that same kind of impact you did before. So with that being said, I think that a lot of the tweaks they made to the roster were underrated, um, didn't get enough credit. I mean, they, they had guys on their team last year like Kelly Oubre, Kent Bazemore, Eric Paschal, um, that they did not have this year. And I think that those guys are not exactly winning players. They they all try really hard. Um, they take tough shots. They're kind of ball stoppers. Um, they like to shoot, but none of them are actually very good at shooting. Um, I believe most of them are all below 35% from three for their careers. Um, and then on defense, Ubre and Bazemore particularly try pretty hard if you watch them. Um, but when you look at the advanced stats, they're actually pretty minus defenders overall. Um, not sure they fit their system super well. So um, getting rid of those guys probably was more of a addition by subtraction. They were able to add Otto Porter, who I think fits very nicely. Not a ball stopper at all. He um, great three-point shooter, good defender. Um, not going to warrant many touches, just kind of sit on the perimeter and wait for the ball to come to him. As well as Andre Iguodala. Obviously, he didn't play a ton, but... Um, He's just a winning player. He's been there throughout the dynasty. So just having it back on the bench, I'm sure, was a positive impact overall. Um, and then additionally, just giving more minutes to guys like Jordan Poole, um, Gary Payton. Uh, clearly, both of them make big leaps. Um, they complement each other well. Poole is uh, just spark plug, score off the bench, can go get you a bucket when you need to when Curry's not in particularly, and then Payton. Um, turned into a really nice player this year with just his defense overall. Um, but yeah, I think that they focus more on specialists that fit their system as opposed to just getting guys that can score like Ubre, but they're more like volume scorers, which isn't really what they need. Um, they kind of just need guys to fit in because they've got such a good system in place. Um, and then obviously having Clay back um, was a big difference. I personally had little to no expectations for him coming back just because of his injury. Um, but he got better as the season went along, but he was pretty bad to start. And honestly, throughout the playoffs was really inconsistent, had some really bad games. He's clearly not the defender that he once was. Um, and then Poole uh, was obviously a candidate for most improved player this year. So kudos to him for taking that leap. But it'll be very interesting to see moving forward if he wants sort of that bigger role 
Um, not sure how sustainable a, a starting lineup of Poole, Curry, and Thompson will be defensively, as Clay's obviously past his prime on that end, but we will see. So as we talk about their playoff run, um, they were the three seed. I think they were 53 and 29 uh, coming into the year. It was the third best record in the NBA. Um, they got to a really good start, 18 and two, obviously, and then um, kind of struggled down the stretch. I think they were like a 500 team for the second half and they had a, a really rough stretch when Draymond was out and Curry got hurt as well. Um, but they were able to hang on, get the three seed, only the the Suns and Grizzlies had a better record than they did. Um, I'm not really going to touch much on the first series with the Nuggets, if at all. I mean, they clearly are missing Jamal Murray very badly. The past two playoffs, we've we've seen that. They are just not able to compete with the teams that have more star power than them. Um, Jokic has been phenomenal over the past two years, but he just can't do it all on his own. So after getting swept last year and gentlemen sweet this year, um, yeah, I think that the Warriors were just a lot better talent-wise than them. So, But moving into the Memphis series, I do kind of feel like they got a little bit lucky with Ja out. Um, but with that being said, I did still pick the Warriors for the series. And I um, even with Ja coming back in, it was, I think it was, uh, what was the series at? It was 2-2, um, or 1-1, sorry. Um, but yeah, at that point, I still would have picked the Warriors. Um, just based on their experience. I think the Nuggets are, or sorry, the Grizzlies are probably a year away still. Um, and to be honest, I think they need a little bit more star power. A jaw feels like a um, one-man show a little bit there. They've got a lot of good role players, but I think for them to take the next leap, they might need to package some of those guys. Um, maybe like a three-for-one type trade with some picks to get somebody who's more of a top 20, top 30 type player. Because right now, I mean, Probably would say Desmond Bain is their second best player. You could argue Jaron Jackson, but I don't think either of them are really top 40 guys. And um, you could argue probably not even top 50, but they're in that range. But um, but yeah, I uh, this series was noteworthy for me just because I, I kind of lost all confidence in the Warriors after this. Um, I mean, game five, they lost 134 to 95 without John Morant. Um, and to be honest with you, the game wasn't even that close. <laughs> I think they were down by like 60 at one point. I... I I recall someone saying they went on a 90 to 12 run or something. I mean, that is just impeccable. I, I, I simply don't know how that can happen in a playoff game. Um, their defense was just a mess, um, nowhere near where it needed to be to be able to win the championship. So I was pretty much out on them after that. Um, I still thought they'd win the series just because Jaw was out, but they were able to sneak by, obviously. Um, Memphis did end up stealing one more game without Jaw, so... Um, that was a little unexpected, but as we move on to the Western Conference Finals, um, I I was initially thinking they got a little lucky that the Suns lost. Um, I picked them to make the finals and win the championship. I know a lot of people had them in the finals at least um, after having such a good regular season. Um, they looked like the team to be. They were the favorites for most of the season. So, um, but after watching them play throughout the playoffs, they really were not the same team at all. Um, Chris Paul. After turning 37, I don't know what happened. <laughs> it kind of fell off a cliff. Um, there was now the reports coming out. Maybe they had a COVID outbreak. I don't know. I'm not really. I'm not going to put too much into that. But um, also, Booker obviously got hurt in the first round. He may not have been 100, but who knows? 
Um, but I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think the biggest thing was they, they didn't execute well and Monty Williams really did not make any adjustments. Um, his big adjustments for game five was subbing in um, Bismack Biombo for JaVale McGee and then Shamit for Cameron Payne. Um, I mean, campaign was just playing atrociously. I mean, <laughs> he reminded us why he was actually out of the league for a little bit, but um but he switched to personnel, but he didn't actually make any like strategic uh, adjustments. Um, the Mavs were just switching whenever they wanted, um, getting Chris Paul, who clearly wasn't himself, on Luka pretty much every play. He, he just can't guard him. They, they didn't make any scheme um, switches at all, really. Um, but yeah, with that being said, I picked the Suns. I probably would have still picked them to beat the Warriors because I would have stuck with my pick. Um, but to be honest, based on how they were playing, they probably would have lost anyway. So um I know I said it, I feel like they got a little lucky then to play the Suns, but in retrospect, they probably still would have beat them. Um, just the way that the Suns were playing, um, they were just clearly not in a good place. And there's a lot of stuff coming out now that maybe there was some rift between Aiton and uh, not only Monty, but Booker as well. So um, we'll see if he comes back next year. I'm sure their roster might look pretty different next year. Um, but shifting over to the Mavericks a little bit, um, uh, obviously, Kevon Looney was a huge uh, bonus for them in this series. He was able to kill them on the uh, offensive glass, which is something that Aiton couldn't do. Um, and this is really one of the Suns' biggest weaknesses this season was rebounding. Um, they've got they play one big man, and then their next biggest guy is normally Jay Crowder, and he's just he's fine rebounding. But Aiton also just didn't put enough emphasis on that. He's more of a finesse guy. He's not going to go in and kind of get dirty in the uh, paint with you. So yeah, maybe they would have moved down if they were able to do that. But Looney was a, a huge plus for them. Um, and then Luca was, it's, I mean, we all knew he was kind of a one man show, which is why I wasn't very high on the Mavericks at all this year. I think they're still need another star. Brunson's a solid piece, but um, he's not a number two in my book. And we'll see if Christian Wood makes a difference, but um, I still think he's not going to bring much that Porzingis didn't bring. So We'll see how that goes. But we've seen historically that these high usage one-man shows in the playoffs can maybe get you an upset win in one round, but they're not sustainable. Uh, we've seen this with early LeBron teams, James Harden teams over the year, and now Luka for a couple years now. I mean, this is um, the first year he was even able to win a series. I know he was, he's been playing some very good teams with the Clippers, and um, now the Suns also he was able to beat, obviously. But... Um, they made him uncomfortable. They've been there before. I also kind of feel like the Warriors got better as the playoffs went on. Um, they kind of turned it up a notch. Um, they were able to bother uh, Luca, and just no one else was able to step up. And I actually did pick the Mavericks coming into the series. Um, I think that was maybe an uh, emotional <laughs> pick. I'm a, a Suns fan, so um, I was trying to convince myself that it, it wasn't that big, bad to lose to them. But... Um, yeah, I mean, looking back, there's just that that Dallas roster needs some improvement before they're really on a championship level. I think they were just able to catch the Suns when they were playing their worst basketball of the whole year, to be honest. So, so moving on to the finals, um, I picked the Celtics coming in, and I think I just still wasn't fully bought in on the Warriors. Um, I just Curry is obviously great, but. They just got a lot of other guys that are inconsistent. So, But I think that was dumb looking back. I mean, obviously it was dumb, but precedent is kind of something I look at a lot. And the way I look at 
finals matchups in particular is in 10 years, which, which one's going to make more sense. Um, and if 10 years from now, you're like, yeah, of course the Warriors won another one versus that's kind of random. The Celtics team was um, pretty good, but really a two-man show with a bunch of role players. So I think it makes sense that the Warriors were able to win, um, especially when you look at Tatum being their best player. Um, and I think he's only 24 right now. You look at some of the, the current stars that have been in the league for a while, Curry, Durant, LeBron. Um, I think they were all at least 27 years old when they won their first championship. So winning at 24 is pretty unprecedented. I'm trying to think back of anyone who maybe was that young, maybe Dwayne Wade, but I mean, he literally had Shaq on his team. So um, it's a little different. <laughs> um, obviously, Wade was better in that series and better for the Heat overall. But um, I think coming into the year, people would assume Shaq was the better player. So, But yeah, as far as kind of how the finals played out, um, Curry was obviously really good overall. Um, looking at his, his stats in the finals, he... Uh, yeah, he averaged 31, 6, and 5 on 48% shooting and 44 from 3, which is really impressive considering how <laughs> terrible he was in a, in Game 5, even though they won. Um, but yeah, I mean, down the board, Wiggins 18 and 9. He was huge for them. Clay and uh, Poole were both pretty inconsistent. Um, Clay was at 17 a game, which is fine, but the 36% from the field is obviously not very good. Um, pool was 44%, 13 a game, below his season averages, I think, um, and certainly below what he was doing earlier in the playoffs, but that was just because his minutes went down. Uh, Draymond obviously was terrible to start, but actually closed it out quite nice, specifically in games five and six. Um, six was probably his best game. He was all over the place on defense and even made a couple threes, but still his stats still looked too pretty. It was 33% from the field. Uh, 12.5% from three, and even 58% from the free throw line. It's just terrible. Um, but Porter and Peyton gave him good minutes. Porter actually shot 56% from three and 59% from the field overall. I'm sure most of his shots were threes, but um, felt like it was going in every time he shot it. And then Peyton gave him some um, good minutes, um, 59%. Most of his um, buckets normally come off cuts and stuff, but it's kind of the way the Warriors offense runs anyway and he was really good on defense as well and then just going back to Wiggins I mean his defense on Tatum was phenomenal so um, kudos to him there but like I said Clay and Poole were a little inconsistent but I think they complement each other well um, they both when one would be a little off the other one was normally on uh, which boded well for them and then the one game that they um, both weren't very good was the game that uh, Curry was amazing. That was probably his best game um, he's ever had. Um, I think he had one other big game like that in the in the finals against the Raptors. Um, I think he had 47 in that game or something. But if you watch that game, I mean, he it was a very empty 47. I mean, he was just shooting like every single time down the court because he kind of had to um, without Clay and KD um, on the roster. But Curry is very interesting. He, he's a pretty streaky player overall, um, even within games. I mean, game one was a perfect example of this. I think he starts out seven for eight from the field, makes five or six threes in the first quarter, and then finishes the game, I think, five for 16 the rest of the game. Um, overall, the stats look fine, but then um, if you actually watch the game, you'd see that it was uh, 
it wasn't a very good game, even though he, but he got off to such a hot start. Um, but that's the thing with him is that even when he's struggling, like in game five, um, where the Warriors were able to win easily, he's gets uh, he garners such attention from the opposing defense that it's going to open up for everybody else. Um, and when he's got at least a decent um, supporting cast, it's it's going to often be enough still to win. Um, I mean, really, the only time this hasn't been the case was in 2019. Um, but that was when Clay and Durant were out. And um, because they had such high salaries, they were kind of all just fillers for role players there. They weren't. They definitely didn't have any guys like Poole or Wiggins that could step up in their absence. So, um, But yeah, kudos to him. He put the team on his back in game four. I feel like when if you're going to win a championship, you've got to have that one game where the um, your superstar just goes all out and wins it for you. Um, I know we've seen that year after year um, in the past few. So, yeah. But I really think this is uh, – I mean, Curry was phenomenal. Role players stepped up, but this is really all about their system. Um, it, everyone has buy-in on this team. Everyone knows their role. Um, and they really made the Celtics uncomfortable, particularly Tatum. Um, and if you watch the games, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of different lenses to look through. Some people said the Celtics kind of beat themselves, but I think that's just not really giving enough credit to the Warriors' defense overall. They Their whole run um, in this dynasty over the past eight years or so, they've always been uh, like a top five defense um, from the analytics standpoint and also from the high test. I mean, that's kind of the underrated thing about this run, despite having all these star powers and the shooting that they have. Um, but yeah, so their defense was great again. I mean, I think the Celtics averaged 16 turnovers per game. That is just not sustainable. And then game six uh, in particular was just ugly to watch. Um, and going back to game six, I, I picked the Warriors in seven initially. So I was going to stick with that. Pick the Celtics to win game six. They go up early. Um, but I feel like this happens a lot in the playoffs where you get that extra juice in the first quarter for the home team. Um, but then once the Warriors came back from that i mean they they were ended up being ahead after the first quarter you can kind of just you can tell <laughs> um the, the crowd got quiet the players and the celtics looked a little rattled and the warriors were like just we've been here before um we're not here to mess around so they really grabbed hold and the celtics didn't really have much of an answer um specifically tatum i mean he was just I'm going to get a little bit more into the Celtics and Tatum overall later, but he, he was not himself. Um, Brown did everything he could in that last game. Horford was great, but um, at the end of the day, the Celtics just didn't really have the, the firepower or the offensive creation to keep up with the Warriors. And like I said earlier, um, I'm a big precedent and like history guy when it comes to NBA, so um, it just made more sense for the Warriors to win this series if you look at the best player on champions we've had over the past decade or so um like 2012 and 13 we got lebron he's a top two player all time uh 2014 was tim duncan i don't i mean he was past his prime obviously but that's still a top 10 all-time player that was still um, a little past his prime but certainly not washed up by any means 2015 was steph who's probably top 15 arguably top 10 guy now um 16 lebron again 17 um, in 18, we've got Durant and Curry, who are both top 15 guys all time. Um, 2019 is kind of the one, maybe outlier. Kawhi is a, uh, he was the best player on the Raptors that year, obviously, but 
he's an interesting player because at his peak, I mean, there was debates if he was the best player in the world a few years ago. Um, he obviously made the uh, top 75 NBA um, uh, rankings for the anniversary they did this year, and deservingly so. He'll make the Hall of Fame, but he's obviously had a lot of injuries, the whole world management thing. I, I saw a stat this year that uh, Tobias Harris actually had more um, <laughs> more career points than he does. And they're in the same draft class. Uh, that's pretty compelling, but I think it's just the volume uh, that he's missed so much time. But at his peak, he's, um, you could put him in that kind of tier um, up there as well. But I think that was a little bit of a weird year anyway, just because Durant and Clay got hurt. So, um, But it makes sense. Um, Tatum certainly would be a bit of an outlier. Um, and he maybe he will go on to become um, that someone in that tier, top 20, 30 player all time. But... Um, obviously, it's a little too early to know that, and he he certainly has a lot of things still to work on um, when you watch him play, particularly in these finals. So next, I'm going to talk about the legacy of this team over the past few years. I do want to preface this. I have been a <laughs> Warriors hater uh, over the years. Um, I've always been a big LeBron guy, so pretty much rooted against them every single time. Uh, they've made the finals throughout going to the finals. Even back when they were a fun, frisky team back in 2015, uh, pre-Kevin Durant, I was rooting against them just as a LeBron fan. And then 2016 was obviously a really fun finals. Um, hard not to root for LeBron in that one. But, I mean, once they got Durant, <laughs> I think the whole world hated them, myself included. Just made it even, um, made me dislike them even more. I think they're pretty universally hated. So I will start with that. Um, I obviously respect the hell out of them, specifically for this one. Um, I mean, 2017 to 2018, I'll be that guy. I think those were kind of lame championships. Um, I mean, they were already a championship team and added a probably top two player in the league at the time. Um, so, yeah. That is what it is. But regardless, they've won four championships in eight seasons, um, six finals appearances in eight seasons. Um, I would say they've definitely surpassed the Shaq Kobe Lakers. I know they had that three-peat, um, but there was only three rings there, and it was kind of the same teams running it back. Um, as far as going further back, I put them ahead of the Bird Celtics as well. They only got three rings. Um Probably up there with the Showtime Lakers. Um, I know they got five, so they're not quite there yet. I probably would still have them as the best dynasty. Um, and then we definitely have to talk about the Spurs. Theirs is interesting just because it's over, over such a long period of time. I know they got five rings, so it's kind of hard to call it a dynasty just with how long it was. It was more just sustained, uh, sustained success. Whereas this really is more of a dynasty. I mean, they've won 50% of the championships over the last eight years and been in 75% of the finals. But I think maybe the craziest part of all of their um, run here is they are 22-2 and two in playoff series over the stretch. I mean, that doesn't even sound real. They've literally only lost two times in a series, one of them being the 2016 finals, which took an all-time great performance by LeBron and maybe one of his best teams ever, maybe his best finals ever. Um, and I mean, they were literally as close as they could possibly be. Um, if Iguodala makes that layup, if LeBron doesn't block it, 
um, with under a minute to go. Maybe they end up winning that game and Cameron Durant never goes there. And, you know, there's a lot of things we could discuss about what ifs. But um, and then the other one being the 2019 finals against the Raptors. Um, and obviously that one has a bit of an asterisk with KD and Clay both being out. Um, I think if we saw when Kevin Durant came back for what about 10 minutes um, in that what was it game five or something game four one of those uh, you could tell right away that they were the better team Um, I think no doubt in my mind no doubt in their mind no doubt in the Raptors minds if Kevin Durant's healthy the Warriors are going to win that series Um, with Clay who knows um, it would have been a longer series for sure could have been a toss-up that was a pretty good Raptors team but um, yeah, and the Warriors were kind of in that lethargic, okay, what's next? We're bored with the league um, kind of world. So who knows? But regardless, I think the the craziest stat is that they've literally never lost in the uh, Western Conference um, field since 2015, uh, which is just <laughs> absurd to think about. So, yeah, I mean, the credit goes to everyone on the team. And I think maybe the most impressive part of it is that they've been able to reinvent themselves. Um, they've had many iterations of this team, with the constants obviously being Curry, Clay, Draymond, and Steve Kerr. Um, I mean, they've subbed guys in and out. If you look at their main wing guys, started with Harrison Barnes, then moved to Durant. Now they're on to Wiggins, all really different players. Uh, Wiggins and Barnes have maybe kind of similar playing styles, but... Um, not quite the same guy. I think Wiggins is a little more talented, but Barnes uh, a little bit more consistent. Um, you know what you're going to get out of him. And then Durant's obviously on another level. But and then you look at the center position. I mean, starting with Bogut, um, then rolling over to where they have a Festus Zeely for a little bit, Boogie Cousins, Kevon Looney, um, Damian Jones, Jordan Bell. They've had just guys in and out at the center position, and it really hasn't even mattered. Um, none of them were particularly great. Bogut used to be a good player, but he was kind of past his prime once uh, um, the Warriors started really taking off. And then Boogie was not in the same self. Uh, obviously still the best offensive player of the group, but um, I, I think, honestly, they're probably better with more of a, a role guy um, than someone like that who's not going to need as much shots and fits in the system better. Um, but yeah. Now, moving over to Curry... Um, <sighs> this is interesting because I already had him as probably a top 15 guy all time. I've heard some people putting him pretty comfortably into the top 10. Um, I've heard some comparisons to like Kobe, and I think that's pretty ridiculous. I mean, if Curry's been great, but he doesn't have the same kind of longevity as a lot of other guys. He's only a eight-time All-NBA, eight-time All-Star. Those are good numbers, but I mean, I'm pretty sure Kobe's in like the 15 range. It's literally double. He's got more rings, more finals MVPs, one less MVP, but um, there's really a couple times that Kobe could have won it, but didn't. Um, And Steph's first one easily could have gone to Harden as well. So, Um, but with that being said, he's obviously, and will never not be the greatest shooter of all time. Um, I think I wouldn't blame anyone for putting him in the top 10. Right now, I probably have him right at 10, um, right ahead of Kevin Durant, who I have at 11, which is actually funny because it really depends how you're doing your rankings. Durant has been a better player than Steph Curry throughout their careers. And uh, watching them both through their prime, um, they were literally on the same team, and Durant was clearly the better player. He won the finals MVP both times, and it really was not a debate. 
So I don't really know what to make of that, that Durant eye test is clearly better. Um, but Curry's obviously got the better resume. I mean, Durant's probably going to have the better counting stats, but Curry is the heart and soul of this team. Um, he won before Durant. He won after Durant. He's got more MVPs. Um, and he's just more of a winner, man. I, I He's more of a lead-by-example guy. He doesn't seem like super vocal. That's They've kind of like left that up to Draymond throughout this run. But Durant, something about him, man. He just always seems like he's a runner-up <laughs> type guy. Um, and if those are the only two rings he ever wins, then it's it's not going to look good for his legacy. Um, I was all for him leaving the Warriors just because, as I said, I, I was kind of tired of just the same thing over and over and over again. Um, I thought the Nets would be better. I mean, they were pretty close last year. Um, maybe if uh, Harden and Kyrie hadn't gotten hurt. But this year, obviously, they, got, they had some issues. And he should really, for the first time, uh, showed that maybe he's declining a little bit. He seems pretty unguardable all the time, but he seemed pretty guardable <laughs> against the Celtics. So, uh, but yeah, I've got Steph at 10. Um, a lot of the obvious names above him, LeBron, Jordan, Kareem, Magic, Kobe, Wilt, Bird, Duncan, and Shaq. Um, Shaq is someone that I would maybe be okay with Curry being ahead of them. I feel like they're, I mean, they couldn't have further um playing like different playing styles but they're kind of similar in my opinion they never really were like the best of their generation um but they were always up there they both got um and mvps they both won championships um, with different teams not different um, franchises but just different iterations of teams um they both were the best at one thing curry at shooting and Shaq just interior scoring he was just unstoppable there's nothing you can do to stop him kind of same with curry no matter how many bodies you throw at him he's still going to be able to get a shot off so um i wouldn't mind having stuff above Shaq. i wouldn't fight someone on that but i personally would put Shaq ahead of him just because of the sheer dominance whereas i'm not sure curry's i mean his 2016 season was one of the greatest of all times but i'm not sure i would ever um have said he was like a top two player in the league i think durant and jordan were or sorry lebron were pretty clearly ahead of him at all times um, throughout his career. And then now, as those guys are declining, I still think guys like Giannis and Luka are probably better than him right now. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with Steph. Uh, I do think he's a little untouchable now, just in terms of um, his legacy. I don't think, I think in the past, obviously, there was the whole finals MVP thing. That's over, obviously. Um, but yeah, he's an all time winner, and no one's going to take that from him. I think it'd be pretty difficult for him to get into the top five. He'd have to probably win one or two more, which I'm not sure if that's going to happen, but um, we'll see. Uh, I'm really interested to see how his game ages as well because, uh, I don't know, it just seems like he's he's so finesse-based and like shooting is one of those things that can kind of stick with you as you get older. So, I mean, the only concern I would have is that he definitely has had some injury problems in the past. So as those start to pile up, similar to kind of like how LeBron's is right now, where LeBron hasn't really declined, but... He's just not as durable, so I could see the same thing kind of happening with Steph, but uh, we'll see. Um, moving into Steve Kerr, um, I I actually think that this um, he had the biggest legacy boost of anyone um, for this championship. I feel like he kind of had the rep of a good star or ego manager, um, which I do think is true, but I don't think he gets enough credit for just like how he's transformed this team into a champion. Um, just to put in perspective, he he took over when they were 
about a, around a 50-win team under Mark Jackson. Um, immediately takes them into 67 wins, then 73, 67, 58, 57. Then we can kind of wash 2020 and 2021, and then 53 again this year. Um, but he, uh, this is a crazy stat. He's 47th in total wins. Um, and that's because he's only coached eight years. I mean, pretty much the guys in the top, everyone in the top 10 has at least 20 plus seasons coached, and he's got eight and he's 47th. Um, and he's ninth in postseason wins. Um, so that huge jump you can see is pretty crazy. Um, as far as win percentage, he's fourth all time. Uh, it's 68%. Um, and that's with a uh, 2020 where they literally had the worst record in the league. Um, as far as postseason win percentage, he's got the best ever, um, 73%. As I said, he's only lost two playoff series ever, and one of them, his team got injured, and the other took an all-time performance from LeBron uh, to take him down. Um, and he's sixth all-time in championships, the only people with more, Phil Jackson, Red Arback, um, John Kundla, Pat Riley, and Popovich. Um and he's doubled the guy behind him. No one has three, and then there's a, a bunch of guys tied with two. So um, to me, he's an undisputed top five coach at this point. I think the only guys you would have to objectively put above him no matter what um, are obviously Phil Jackson. I think he's pretty undoubtedly the um, top guy ever. Um, probably Popovich as well. He's got more championships and just um, the longevity that Kerr doesn't have. Um, Pat Riley's well, just because he did it in multiple places, um, more championships, but he's got with the Lakers and then also with the Heat. Um, and then you could probably argue um, Red Arback as well, but I'm kind of one of those guys where if it happened so long ago, I'm not, I don't know if I'm buying it. <laughs> you don't even want to get me started on my Bill Russell takes. I'll get destroyed by the older crowd. But but yeah, I think Kerr cemented himself as a top five coach all time. Um it's, it's interesting to me that um, Kenny Atkinson uh, went back on the Hornets role or head coach role to stay with the Warriors. It kind of makes me wonder if Kerr is going to hang it up kind of sooner than we would think. I honestly wouldn't be surprised by that. Um, he's had a phenomenal run. I know he did broadcasting before. I don't know if you want to get back into that, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if when this kind of core of Clay Curry and Draymond or done that he hangs it up as well. I don't think he wants to go through a rebuild. I'm sure he could probably find a new spot anywhere he wanted, but I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Um, and maybe it is something to keep in mind if he did do that. But next, uh, just talking about the front office and Bob Myers. Um, he's obviously done a really good job. They've had multiple opportunities over the years to kind of blow things up. There was obviously back in 2015, I think it was, the talks of trading Clay Thompson for Kevin Love. Um, obviously, that was a good decision not to do that. Um, there was talks of trading all these draft picks they had, um, where they ended up getting Kaminga and Moody, um, as well as Wiseman. They held on to all those. Um, I mean, none of them really had any impact on this playoff run. Um, Kaminga was a, a fine player during the regular season, I guess, but um, the other two really haven't done much at all. Wiseman was actually pretty bad in his rookie season, but he showed flashes, so... Um, a little too early to tell on those guys, so I'm not going to rule out their impact, but um, hard to argue with the results. They've got a lot of flexibility now, obviously, young players that they can either flip or um, they could hopefully develop. Uh, they've obviously got a great uh, player development um, internally, so we'll see there. But 
I want to talk just to their willingness to spend. Um, I wonder if teams are going to take more of this approach. I mean, they, I, th- I remember when they traded for Kelly Oubre last year, put him um, into the next um, bracket for the um, luxury tax. Um, and then I think it was $100 million worth um, extra that they were going to have to pay. I mean, <laughs> imagine paying $100 million for Kelly Oubre for one season, um, which is pretty crazy, but you got to respect it. Um, they've been crazy, crazy in the luxury tax for years now, and it's obviously paid off. If, if you're going to own a team and you have this kind of opportunity and you're not spending for it, then what are you doing? I'm looking at you, Robert Sarver. Um, but yeah, um, Bob Myers made a pretty much good move after good move. I was very against the Wings trade. I thought they totally botched that. Um, Russell was coming off a all-star season they had um they got only a pick back i think and wiggins and the wiggins contract looked awful i was totally out on wiggins i thought he sucked um obviously he can score but i just they always talk about if the guy's got the it factor and it did not appear that he did but he clearly found a good role here um that trade i mean i was wrong a lot of people were wrong um they they won the trade and now (laughs) you're seeing reports now that the Wolves want to trade D'Lo, um, and I don't blame them. He's 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 one of those guys where it's like he's too good to just be a bench player, but you're just never going to win with him as your point guard. Um, some of the late game decisions he made against the Grizzlies were just really bad. <laughs> but so now I want to talk about um, where the Warriors rank as opposed to other recent champions. So just looking at kind of like the last 15 years. Um, and I don't, I, I, this is kind of a compliment and it also might come off as a shot at them, but I think really the only three, um, that could be thought of as worse from the last 15 years. So that'd be from like 2007 on would be the 2019 Raptors, the 2011 Mavs, and then the 2015 Warriors. I think those three plus this Warriors team are probably the four worst um, if you look at the rest of them, it's some variation of the Duncan Spurs, a LeBron team, um, the KD Warriors. Um, we've got some the Big Three Celtics, some Kobe Lakers, um, and then the Bucks last year um, or make up the last fifteen years of champions. So um, a lot of those teams are have big threes or were some form of a dynasty or very stacked teams with lots of. Um, all-stars i think the four teams i mentioned the 19 raptors 11 mavs 15 warriors and 22 warriors um i don't know if you could say that for all of them i guess the 15 warriors you'd have to argue were probably the best of the bunch they did win 67 games they pretty easily made the finals they beat the lebron james team um though i do think we all know that if Kyrie and kevin love were healthy they probably would have won that series lebron had probably the worst supporting cast of a finals um, team ever (laughs) so the fact that they were even able to win two games is pretty crazy um but with that being said they did have clay and draymond when they were kind of in their peak um so i guess i would put them a little bit ahead but you look at the raptors and mavs i mean that mav team they did have jason kidd who you're going to look back and say okay that's a hall of famer but he was well past his prime um i mean he was probably late 30s at that point 36 37 or something i mean he kind of already had to reinvent his game to fit in with that team um their second best player uh i mean they tyson chandler but he's really was a um, nothing but a lob thrown on offense jason terry was the number two op- option on offense who's a nice player but um there's a reason he was never really a starter he's a defensive liability kind of a 
Um, poor man's Manu Ginobili, I guess, coming off the bench. Uh, maybe slightly better Jamal Crawford, but he could score. Don't get me wrong, but um, I don't think he was ever like a top 40 player. Certainly not at that point of his career. He was pretty late into his 30s. Um, so really they had Dirk, and then it was just a bunch of really good role players that fit together. Um, and then looking at the 2019 Raptors, Kawhi obviously was kind of at his peaks, peak of powers there. Um, Siakam, it was his first breakout year, but he wasn't quite at that like all NBA level. He made it the next season, but he was still only like 16, 17 a game. Um, and he was their second option probably. Lowry had kind of taken a back seat, um, being more of a floor general. Um, obviously, he's borderline Hall of Famer. We'll see. I think it's a little easy to get in the NBA. I don't know if he's really to that standard, but he's a very good player, obviously, multi-time All-Star. Um, and then a bunch of really good All-Star, or sorry, role players that a lot of them hadn't broken out yet. Fred Van Vliet made the All-Star game this year, but he was the sixth man on that team. Um, Danny Green's a proven winner, but um, yeah, a limited player um, skill set-wise. Um, and then they had Marcus Sol again, had been an all-star, but well past his prime at this point. Um, so really it's just Kawhi, a young Siakam, and then Lowry, um, and then some role players. So I, I think that they were they were a really well-built team, well-rounded. They Their their top eight was really solid, but um, didn't maybe have the star powers of some of these other teams. Um, and then we look at this year with the Warriors. They, I mean, they didn't, you could argue they don't have a top five player. To, Currently, depends on your preference. Um, I personally would have um, Giannis, KD, LeBron, Luka, um, and probably Jokic ahead of, um, and Kawhi as well when healthy, and then maybe even Embiid, but it just depends. All ahead of Steph, so we'll see. I don't know. You could get, I might give you Jokic and Embiid if you want, but I'm going to pretty solidly put Kawhi in there if he's healthy. So you could argue Steph's not a top five player. And then if you look down the rest of the team, I mean, they don't even have another top 30 player, if you, if you ask me, in the league right now. Draymond, for, for parts of this year, I think played like a top 30 player. He made the all-star team, obviously. But, man, he was really bad at first stretches during the playoffs. I mean, the first couple finals games, that <laughs> that is not a top 30 player. Um, I think he's kind of lost some of his consistency. Um, he's still a really good player. He helps winning a lot, but... I mean, to let's think of another borderline top 30 player like Jalen Brown, for example. You're telling me that you'd rather have Draymond Green than Jalen Brown if you're building a team? Um, I don't think so. Just I don't think anybody would. Um, if you got other stars, maybe you take Draymond. But um, if you're just looking to have some star power, I think you're taking guys in like the Brandon Ingram, that kind of range ahead of Draymond, uh, who I think are the people that are probably in that 30 range. Maybe even like a Drew Holiday. I mean, he's a great defensive player as well, but he's got a little bit more on offense, something like that. Clay, uh, I think it's pretty clear he's not a top 30 player anymore. I don't really think he was ever a top 15 guy. He was maybe in the 15 to 25 range, depending on preference. Um, but he's clearly lost a step defensively. Offensively, he was sure, certainly not shy to shoot it, but throughout the playoffs, definitely not the same efficiency he had had. I think he had career lows in three-point percentage this year um, in the regular season as well. So um, we'll see. Maybe he just takes a little bit of time to get back, but he is getting a little older as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's just not quite the same player. He's still a solid player. He can help you win, um, but I just don't think he's there. And then after that, I mean, Wiggins certainly not top 30 player. Um, Pool certainly not. So I, I said top thirty. 
some of these guys might not even be top 40. I think Draymond is still probably top 40. The other guys, probably not. I mean, I, I'd have Wiggins in like the 50 range or something like that. Um, but that's why I think this team, just from a talent standpoint, they're pretty well built. They're well rounded. They've got good role players. Um, they're role, they have a lot of guys that are in the top, like 70, 60, for example. I think Poole is, Wiggins, Draymond, Clay, Steph. Um, and then a lot of just solid other guys that complement those those players. Um, but yeah, just from a talent standpoint, it's really hard to win a championships, and it's really hard to win a championship with one guy not with only one top thirty player. So that's why I'm saying at the beginning of this, it's kind of a compliment that they were able to do that, um, even without having a second star really. Um, but just if you, as you line them up against previous champ- champions, I think we're probably going to look back and be like, this was one of the weaker um, champions we've had. Um, and I don't mean that to take away. I mean, you, you can never take away a championship from anyone. Um, but I just look at this team compared to the Durant Warriors or any of the LeBron teams or um, the Kobe Lakers. I mean, those teams, those are like multiple all-star Hall of Fame um all-time players in their peak so um the spurs as well i mean i know duncan was past his prime for a lot of those but they got duncan ginobili parker and then as soon as they're in the past their peak then Kawhi turns into an all-star so um yeah they also had a, a really good mix of world players as well so um cool and i and i think the reason they were able to win without this um top talent is just the parody in today's game is um really unprecedented i mean if you think if you look back i think there was a stretch where there was no nba finals that didn't have um or no nba champion that wasn't lebron curry or Kawhi for like a decade or something (laughs) like close to it yeah i think it is a decade from 2012 up until Giannis won last year every single champion had either lebron curry or Kawhi on the team um and then if you go back as far as people that were in the finals every single finals appearance had um, I think it was Curry, LeBron, or Kobe or Shaq. Um, every single one. Um, I think the last one that time that didn't happen was in the 1990s. Um, so if you throw Jordan in there, then it goes back even further. But um, early 2000s, it was Shaq and Kobe. Um, oh, sorry, I forgot Duncan in there. Um, but Duncan, Shaq, Kobe, LeBron, and Curry. Um you don't even actually have to put Kawhi in there. I don't think about it. Yeah, Duncan, Shaq, LeBron, Kobe, Steph. Every single finals from, I think, 1998 until 2020. Um, or no, LeBron's in then until 2021 had one of those players in it. And that's just absurd. Like <laughs> It's like that same group of elite all-time guys dominating. Um, but I think there's more parity today. I know this year would qualify in that because Curry was in it, but... You just look around the league, um, and there's just not a lot of teams with like three plus all stars on it anymore. This whole super team, I think, because of the CBA rules where they're allowing the super max um, for guys to incentivize guys to stay with the team that drafted them. I think it's working. I mean, you look at Giannis, Luca signed his. Um, there's been a number of other examples where guys did decide to stay. I think Jokic is going to sign his what maybe this off season or maybe he already did last year. I, I forget, but. Um, yeah, guys are just staying. There's less mobility. Um, the only guys that are still moving are kind of the older crowd. LeBron moved in 2019, obviously. Uh, Katie and Kyrie recently hardened moved around. 
but no one in their 20s is taking advantage of that um we're pretty much seeing everyone sign that super max so kind of got to build organically i mean if you look at the last four teams in the finals um the celtics their two best players they drafted the warriors their three best players they drafted um, the Suns last year, obviously they traded for Chris Paul, but the, that entire rest of their core, Aiton, Booker, Bridges, all drafted. Um, and then the Bucks, they traded for Drew Holiday, but Middleton, they didn't draft, but they obviously um, traded for very early before he was who he was and developed him and then Giannis. So um, I think that's kind of more where we're headed. Um, doesn't seem like people are moving around as much. So it's just leading to more parity because there's the talent is more evenly distributed across the league. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, and I do think we're going to probably see more teams like this winning um, just with the Supermax keeping stars in their teams um, and the older kind of crowd um, just getting old. <laughs> I mean, LeBron, who knows? I know that we probably didn't think he was going to win another one after 2019 and then he did. Same with, I personally didn't think the Warriors are going to win another one and they did. So we'll see. Um, it doesn't seem like the Nets have a great situation right now, just the whole Kyrie thing and KD, so who knows. But um, I don't know. I thought I thought this year was the Bucks were going to win out of the East. The Suns were going to – I thought we were going to see a rematch. Um, I thought the Suns would win this year. Um, but both teams lost second round. So, you know, there's just open opportunity for teams um, as we move forward to see who can win it. So I know we talked a lot about the Warriors, but I just want to wrap them up on if I think they can repeat next year or just how sustainable the team is. Um, I think there's really no way to know the answer to this. It's really going to come down to two things um, just on as far as how sustainable it is. One being um, the development of Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman. Um, I mean, if even one of those guys turns into an all-star. Oh, and, and then Poole as well, obviously. Um, if one of those guys turns into an all-star, um, they're going to be set up really well with a lot of flexibility and a lot of talent. But um, we don't know yet. Wiseman looked pretty iffy in his rookie season. Um, just look, I mean, he just hasn't played that much basketball. I think he played like less than 20 games in college and then didn't play it all this year. Um, Moody and Kaminga showed flashes this year, particularly Kaminga. But um, it's really hard to know with rookies. I feel like you, you really won't know anything until their second year. And then third year, you kind of really know. Um, so we'll see. And who knows if they'll even get more playing time next year. I would assume they will um, as they try to move a little younger. But yeah, it's just whether you believe in those guys. Um, if two of them end up popping, um, then yeah, they're going to be around for a while. Um, but if all of them end up kind of just not turning into much, um wise men could easily end up being a bust um based on what we've seen so far um Kamega could still use a little bit of polish on his game he's still not a great shooter um he was a little sporadic in the g league but he, he was played a little bit um more composed um and as a rookie this year and then moody just didn't get a ton of reps i actually really liked moody coming out of college um he's still really young he's a could easily turn to, into a really good 3d guy um, but who knows if he's more than that? I mean, he was the best player on his college team and a really good college team um, at Arkansas a couple years ago. So who knows? Um, but it's going to probably come down to that um, or just how the other guys age. So um, we saw Draymond at his worst in these finals. If he plays like that um, regularly, they don't have a chance, in my opinion. Um, they're going to really struggle defensively, which they did at times during the postseason, um, particularly against Memphis. Um, and then Clay as well. Um, I think he's probably already past his prime, but um, 
we'll see if he can at least play to the level he played to this year. Um, and then as far as Steph goes, I talked about that a little bit earlier, but I think his game's going to age pretty well. Um, but it's just going to... Well, he's had durability issues, obviously. And Draymond has his, at times as well. He was obviously out for a while this year. Um, and there wasn't a lot of like d- discussion about like kind of what was going on. And then Clay obviously missed two straight seasons. Steph has had multiple injuries. So it's going to come down to health, which it always comes down to health. So... I'll preface with that, but obviously the older you get, the more likely you're going to get injured. And these guys have been injury prone in the past. Um, but yeah, biggest thing is going to come down to health and the young guys' development. But I will say, um, I think next year is going to be pretty particularly hard. I would not bet on them to repeat. Um, not because I think there's necessarily one team that clearly is going to um, win it over them, but just the amount of teams. I mean, if you look at the, the West the West in particular, there's like 10 teams that are, you could make an argument for a top six seed, um, like avoiding the plan. I mean, you know, the Suns, they're going to switch it up a little bit. Aiden probably won't be back, but they're not going to miss the playoffs. Um, they're not going to make the plan. I wouldn't think at least I, w- I would assume they're going to try and get something for Aiden. Um, but with Booker and still in his prime and Chris Paul, um, I'm assuming he still got a little bit left in the tank. They're not going to fall off a cliff. I mean, they did win 64 games this year. Memphis is only getting better. Um, I do think that if they really want to contend, they probably need to flip some of their role guys for more of a star. Um, I mean, they're really deep. They could probably put a pretty good package together of like Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, um, Zaire Williams, um, I know Tyce Jones, I think, is a free agent, but D'Anthony Melton, um, all those guys, and then they've got picks too. So if there's a disgruntled star, I think they're in a really good opportunity to swoop in and, and get somebody. Or if they want to really swing big, they could uh, maybe include Jaron Jackson or Desmond Bain, but I probably don't see them doing that. Um, they just paid Jackson on a pretty reasonable deal, and Bain had a really good year this year. And um, I actually think he could be a little uh, Clay Thompson 2.0, but we'll see. But they're obviously not going anywhere. They might regress a little next year if they don't add a, um, another star, but they're not going to fall off a cliff either. Then you've got the Warriors, obviously. Um, Dallas just traded for Christian Wood, so on paper they look like they should be better next year. Luka's probably only going to get better. We'll see if he can actually come into the season in shape. Um, it might be scary if he does because he seems to always start slow, but then they end up winning 50 games and are a tough out in the playoffs. Um, Utah's a big question mark, but um, they're certainly going for it. Um, they, they, you've seen a lot of rumors around Gobert. Um, he might go somewhere. Who knows? Um, I've seen rumors to the Hawks, maybe the Bulls, a um, few other teams. But um, they've got Mitchell um, locked up for at least a, a few more years. We'll see if he does eventually ask out. But um, they're one of those teams that doesn't really like to tank. I think they their plan moving forward would be to make the playoffs. So um, realistically, that's what they're going to try and do. Denver was a top six seed this year already. They're going to get Murray back. Michael Porter Jr. probably at some point. I'm not really sure what his timeline is. I know his back thing is a little scary, but just Murray alone should make them um, significantly better. They did still win 48 games this year. Then Minnesota proved to be like really frisky in the playoffs. Anthony Edwards looks like he um, could develop into like a top 25, top 30 guy next season. Some people might even already argue that he's a uh, um, close to there. I personally think he's more in the in the 40 range, but we'll see. Um, he was really impressed from the playoffs. I think he needs to um, take on more of that alpha role. I know people have talked about Cat kind of being more of a 
a beta. Um, he's got the skill set of a one, but not really the mentality. So um, I think I mostly agree with that. I think he's probably more suited to be a number two. Um, but regardless, they won 46 games this year. There's no reason to think that they would get worse um, with internal development. Plus, we've seen some D'Angelo Russell rumors. So um, I actually think flipping him could be a addition by subtraction. I think he's kind of one of those empty stack guys. But we'll see. Um, the Clippers should be really scary next year, um, getting Kawhi and Paul George back. Um with the additions of Norman Powell and Covington for the whole year on top of Marcus Morris, Luke Kennard, Reggie Jackson, Zubats, um, Batum. I mean, they've got a million wings. Um, I still think they could really use um, an actual point guard. I don't really trust Reggie Jackson. I know he did a really good run in the playoffs um, last season. But, um, yeah, there's no reason. I, I think I'm for sure going to pick them as a top three seed. Um, they, they could be really good, um, especially with the, how – Good of a coach, Ty Lewis. Then the Pelicans, um, I mean, they went 36 and 46 this year. But as you saw in the play-in and the playoffs, that was um, not the same team as the start of the season. Um, once they got McCollum, um, and then Herb Jones was a, a big surprise this year, um, as well as Alvarado. Um, Valanciunas played well for them. And then, obviously, the big elephant in the room is Zion. Um, he should be back next year. I, I think he'd be worth at least 5 to 10 wins plus um, the pace they're playing at with once they got McCollum was well above that clip anyway. So I think you'd have to think that they are going to go for it and they'd likely make the playoffs. Um, then the Lakers are probably the, the weirdest, most interesting one. Um, man, I can't believe they're 33 and 49. That's that's That was not expected. I <laughs> had them in the finals as, as a lot of other teams or people did. Um, but I will say if Davis and LeBron are fully healthy, um, I, I don't see them missing again. I mean, they really had a weird year. The roster was constructed terribly, but they've got... Um, we'll see what they do with Russ. If they flip Russ, um, even if it's for lower value, they got to dump some picks. I think they'll probably be probably be better. Um, but even with Russ, I, think, I still think it could work. Um, probably not at a championship level, but at a, at a solid playoff team level. Um, we'll see how David Ham, Ham is able to or Darvin Ham, sorry, is able to um, uh, work that out. But I, I would have to think that they're not going to be as bad next year. Um, and then the last team I do want to include in here is Portland um, with Dane back. They've got a ton of flexibility just from a asset standpoint and a salary standpoint. We've heard rumors of Levine going there. They were interested in Jeremy Grant. I've seen some um, move back with their pick to get Lou Dort type um trades as well so they're definitely going to do something um they'll probably bring back Nurkic um and then Anthony Simons was a nice surprise for them last year so you'd have to think that they have a chance at making the playoffs so that's uh what is that nine that's 10 teams um there four of them or sorry two of them are going to miss the playoffs um and four of them are going to be in the play-in which is pretty crazy to think about and I didn't even mention the Spurs um and the Kings I, the Kings, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Sabonis. Um, I think people overreacted to that trade. Like, <laughs> Halliburton is not as good as Sabonis right now, and we don't know for sure if he will be. Um, I mean, Sabonis is on a really nice team-friendly deal, and he's really good. He's underrated. Um, but, yeah, with that being said, um, it's going to be really hard for any team to, to win the championship, and that includes the Warriors. I mean, they're, if they have to go through – three of those teams just to make the finals, that's going to be really tough. Um, 
And so someone's going to make it out, obviously. I, I would not bet on the Warriors. Um, I think probably the Clippers would be my uh, favorite for next year, assuming they're all healthy. I just think Ty Lue's a really good coach, and um, they've just got uh, so many wings to throw at people um, to play in today's type of game. Um, and that that's assuming Kawhi comes back fully healthy and uh, ready to go as well. But um, I wouldn't – I mean, I think there's four or five teams that you could talk me into making the finals, the Suns. Um, Dallas, if the Christian Wood thing um, works out, this is going to sound stupid, but like, would you be really surprised if the Lakers ended up making the finals? Like, I think probably not that. It's not that crazy to think about. Um, Denver, if Porter Jr. comes back, or if they flip him in some picks for another guy, um, could be an interesting team as well. And then Memphis, if they're able to maybe add somebody. And then that's not even to talk about the East. So, um, all that to say, I think next year is going to be really fun because um, there's not really a clear-cut team, in my opinion. And there's a lot of teams you can make an argument for. So um, we will, we'll see how that turns out, though. Okay, so now we're going to shift the focus over to the Celtics. Um, kind of who's to blame for this? Um, it's always weird. You gotta kind of got to give it a few days um, to think about it because, I mean, if you told a Celtics fan... You guys are going to make the finals, be two games away from a championship. Um, they would have taken that preseason, and they definitely would have taken that if I told you midseason uh, when they were below 500. I was also not a big Celtics believer. Um, this season was not a good year for me in terms of uh, <laughs> the teams I believed in, the teams I did not. I just thought the 50-game sample size of being below 500 is just – that is too big. Um I, I didn't quite see how they could just tr swapping out Dennis Schroeder for Derek White was going to make that much of a difference. But clearly they, they found something. Um, it wasn't quite enough to get it done, but I um, was really impressed how they were able to um, make it through the Eastern Conference playoffs. They played a really tough route. I remember when there was the teams jockeying for seeding um, and the, the death uh, path was kind of what the Celtics ended up with between getting Brooklyn in the first round and then the Bucks in the second round. Um, but they went for home court and kudos to them and it did work out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you have to put most of the blame on Tatum for this. Um, I know he's only 24, but man, I mean, he just did not show up. Um, I know there were stocks of his, his shoulder bothering him, but it just doesn't really make sense to me that he would shoot. He, should, he actually shot really well from three. Um, in the series, which was uh, what made it weird to me. Um, I think he was, what did he shoot? 46% from three on 44 attempts for the whole series. Like that's a pretty big sample size. So if your shoulder is really bothering you, I don't, I don't really know why that'd be such an issue. But I mean, he was 66% from the free throw line. He was 37% from the field. And that's even with the good shooting. So what he was, uh, let me do the math here. Um, God, he was thirty-two under thirty-two percent from two-point range. That's just crazy. Um, and he's normally really good from the mid-range. I will say one of his biggest knocks, in my opinion, has always been his finishing. Um, he's not the best around the rim. Um, it's just kind of surprising considering what good shooting touch he has and how big he is. I mean, I think he's six ten. He's got a huge wingspan. Um, but it is strange. I do think that's one of the things he needs to work the most on. Um, and then also the turnovers were a huge issue. I mean, he had 23 turnovers um, just in the finals. So that's 
almost four per game. He, I think he broke the turnover record for an entire postseason, and that's kind of a misleading stat. Um, it means you played a lot of games. It means you made it to the end, um, and it means you had the ball in your hands a lot. Um, I think the previous record was by LeBron or something like that, um, which makes sense. <laughs> so, But regardless, um, 21.5 points per game. His assist numbers were high, but it's not like they were doubling him left and right. Um, yeah, I mean, we were kind of vaulting him up into that top 10. I was ready to put him like ahead of um, someone like maybe Embiid even, just because Embiid's pretty consistently come up small in the playoffs. And Tatum has played really well. I mean, two years ago um, when they were in the bubble season, he played really well. Um, last year at a 50-point game to beat the Nets with no Jalen Brown, that was really impressive. Um, they ended up losing the series, obviously, but they didn't have much of a chance given the talent discrepancy. Um, but I don't know. You can't really read too much into these things. I think that maybe it's one of those things where we were maybe putting him up too high after he made the finals, and then this should vault him kind of back to where we thought we had him. Maybe we were right all along. Um, but I'm not going to knock him too much. I, I think he's closer to the Devin Booker, Trey Young um, tier of players than he is the like Durant, Curry, um, Kawhi, Giannis tier of players, and that's okay. Um, those guys are all um, a lot more accomplished and they're older, um, and I still think he's unquestionably a top top fifteen. Um, you you could still argue top ten. I might have him ten. It's it's kind of hard to do rankings right now because we've got a lot of guys that have been injured, like Kawhi and Dame. Uh, I probably would have had Dame ahead of Tatum coming into the year, but um, Dame didn't obviously play that much, and then. Um, Tatum had a really good year. He made first team All NBA. So um, we'll have to see going into the next year. But I probably would have him in that nine to eleven range. Um, probably ahead of guys like Anthony Davis even now. But I this was concerning. I'll say that. Um, I think if he makes the finals again um, and has the same similar performance, it's it's really going to hurt his reputation and legacy. Um, but it's early. I mean, young guys always struggle in the playoffs, um, particularly in the finals. It's just, I mean, you look at LeBron's first finals. I know he was only 22, but he was pretty bad as well, like 36 37% from the field. Um, and we've seen it before. Um, Kobe had some really bad finals when he was younger. So, But it was really impressive for him to even carry them to the finals, I will say. Um, and so we, we can't really take that away from him either. Next, I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Brown. Um, I think I don't think I learned anything from him from these finals. Um, I think he's kind of the exact player I thought he was. Um, I'm not really blaming him. I just I'm not convinced he's a number two on a championship contender. Um, I think ideally he's a three. Um, he's just really inconsistent. He can have some some stretches um, where he looks unguardable and just like can get a bucket on anybody. And then he has other stretches where he just, when he's not making his shots, I mean, he's not really doing much. Um, he's really sloppy with the ball. Can't tell you how many times I was late turning game on and checked Twitter and there was somebody just roasting him for how bad his handle is. Um, he's not a playmaker at all. Um, I think he had a career high in assists this year, but it's not saying much. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was three and a half. Um, but for his career, he's two assists a game and one and a half or sorry, 1.9 turnover, so it's almost one-to-one. One. Um, so he, he turns the ball over 
a decent amount. Um, he doesn't create for others. He's kind of a black hole, but it's not overly noticeable when he plays. Um, but I don't know. I think that, I like I said, I've got him in probably like the top 30 range of players. I think 25 is a little high. 35 is probably a little low. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think as far as the Celtics go overall, though, they just had inconsistent role players. Um, I mean, Horford had some really good games, some bad games. Derek White was great in game one, not very good the rest of the series. Um, and so I think Tatum obviously has to take the brunt of the blame. Um, I still think he could be the number one on a championship con- um, team, but he's he's got to improve some areas or he just needs better um, another star around him. But I think if you swapped out Brown for a guy like Booker, um, I think they could have had a better chance of winning. For example, I do think Tatum is better than Booker. That's just an example of how um, someone that could be on his team that Tatum would be better than, or even Trey Young, someone like that. But yeah, as far as what comes next for the Celtics, um, like I said, I think you got to be pretty happy with the season overall. I think they exceeded all expectations from preseason, um, but particularly when you saw where they were midseason. Um, I think some of the biggest takeaways are that Yudoka. Um, was a great hire. Um, Brad Stevens obviously was a really good coach. Um, I thought he was one of the best coaches, so I was a little shocked when he stepped down. Um, but I think Yudoka is probably, just being an ex-player, going to garner a little bit more respect um, from the players. And you could see that this year as well. Um, I thought he had about as good of a debut season as you could have um, for a rookie coach. Uh, but I will say moving forward, um, it's really hard to get back to the finals. Um, as a Suns fan, I can attest. Um, I thought easily this year was going to be our year. Katie, Harden, and Westbrook. Um, I know that the Harden trade kind of might have affected that one, but still, I mean, they had a prime Kevin Durant, probably a top 15 player all time. Russell Westbrook at the peak of his powers as well. We knew he ended up winning an MVP there. Another example might be the Magic in 2009. <clears throat> Dwight Howard at the peak of his powers. Uh, and they had a lot of good role players around him. And they really were never able to do much after that. Um, the Suns last year are a good example. Um, they came back even stronger this year, but weren't able to do anything in the playoffs. We'll see if they're able to get back. The West is looking stronger, so odds are not in their favor. And then uh, another great example is just the Cavs pre-LeBron um, leaving for the Heat. So the first iteration of the LeBron Cavs when they made it way ahead of schedule in 2007. Um, and then they were maybe not the favorite in 2008 because the Celtics, but then one of the favorites pretty much every year after that until he left, 2008, 2009, 2010. I think they had the best record in the league in 2009 and 2010 before he ended up leaving. So we've seen this before. I don't want to say that the Celtics aren't going to make it back, but it's really hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, you heard earlier we said that the the finals was pretty much dominated by the same four or five guys over the past, uh, or really over the span of this whole century. So only time will tell if they will get back. I think it's going to be difficult. I think making the finals a little unexpectedly can be good and bad. It's good in the sense in that it obviously gives you that confidence that you can get there. The players get experience and obviously you're just competing at the highest level. 
But I think it can be bad sometimes because it can make you feel like you're closer than you are. I think a good example of that was the Heat in 2020. Um, I know they ended up making it to game six against the Lakers, but with that being the bubble bubble season, it was a little weird. I don't really think they were a true championship team. I mean, Jimmy Butler played great, but he's not a top 10 player. Bam is good, but not really a top 20 player. And then after that, I mean, who was their third best guy? <laughs> like Tyler Harrow played like it, but we know that he's been inconsistent since then. And he certainly isn't a guy you can rely on um, yeah, throughout the entirety of a season or playoffs. Um, but yeah, so I, I think this, we've only seen one season of Brad Stevens and I think we're going to see his true colors this, this off season. If he kind of stands pat, then I think that they're gonna they are gonna have a tough time getting back. I think that a lot of people feel this way, but I feel like middle if Middleton was healthy, the Bucks likely would have beaten them. Who knows what could happen with the Nets if Ben Simmons was playing and they actually had a full season playing together, more continuity. Um, we'll see what happens with the Sixers. I know B got hurt. Maybe they would have had a better chance to beat the Heat if he had been playing the whole series. There's a lot of unknowns. There's also a lot of young teams in the East that could uh, surface over the next few years. We saw the Cavaliers look frisky this year. Um, there's a few other teams that um, could get up to that level uh, if they draft correctly over the next few years. But with all that being said, I personally think that the Celtics should try to make more of a, a bigger move. I just don't think it's sustainable. Like Marcus Smart just cannot be your third option. Um, he's an okay player. He had his best year ever probably. But um, I mean, if you look at some of his career stats, he's, uh, let me pull them up real quick. For his career, he's 38% from the field, 32% from three. Um, He's got more seasons under 30% from three than he has above 35%. He's shot above 35% from three one time ever. And he's bought a, shot above 40% two times ever from the field. That is just too inefficient. He's sporadic with his shot selection. He did have a career high in assists this year, um, but he also had one of his higher turnover totals, second uh, most in his career this season. Um He's a fine player. I, I don't think he's really a true point guard. He he certainly played the role well enough for them, but he's he's not reliable. You can't be your third guy. I mean, but it's just funny to think about five, ten years ago when you had to have an all-star as your third guy. We're like, is Kevin Love good enough? Is Chris Bosh good enough? And now we're sitting here talking about Marcus Smart as a third option. Um, I just <laughs> I don't see it. Uh, and then Al Horford too. I mean, he had a great year. He, you could argue he was their third option, um, at least in the playoffs, or he was their fourth option, whatever. But he's 35. Um, he's turning, no, he's 36. He just turned 36 in June. Um, so it's, it's going to be his age 36 season. He's he's a solid player, and I would want him on my team. Don't get me wrong. Smart, I <laughs> I don't know if I'd want him on my team. I know he's a great defender, but uh, the offense can come and go. Horford is a, a great glue guy, um, and he can win you a game every once in a while. But, I mean, he averaged 10 points a game this year. He's just not reliable. Even at his peak, I mean, he's averaged over 15 points two times 
I think. Um, yeah, and that was back when he was in Atlanta, so it's been a while. And he, he's been a great player, though, and, and scoring's never necessarily been his, his strong suit. He can do it, but he's always been more of a good, to, versatile defender, great passer for his size, um, solid rebounder, um, and he's efficient, can shoot, um, pick and pop. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I think they they either need... I'm not saying they need to trade like a Jalen Brown, for example, but I think that there's some consolidation that could be done um, with putting some of their role players together, maybe with some picks to... Uh, I'm get someone like a Bradley Beal, for example. Um, I think that him and Brown would be, I'm not sure who'd be the, the two or the three. Um, Brown's obviously been there longer. Beal's been historically the better player, but he's coming off some injuries, so I don't know. That's just one example. But um, additionally, I think that they really need some better ball handlers. They, I mean, we saw in this, finals they had 97 turnovers over six games that was good for an average of 16 a game in the closeout game they had 23 turnovers I mean you just can't win like that and it's one of those things where on paper all year like well they don't really have a true point guard and then you see what happens in the finals and it kind of just comes to fruition Um, Tatum has been very turnover prone I talked earlier about how Brown really has limited playmaking for others and he's it's not that he turns the ball over a ton it's just that the lack of assists make his turnovers it's basically a one-to-one ratio that it, um, with his assists to turnover and then like I said smart's just not really a true point guard he can be a good passer but he's not being a good passer doesn't make you a good point guard he doesn't really have the kind of read the defense I'm gonna pick apart this matchup I'm gonna get a switch here um that sort of thing that like Chris Paul is really good at or uh, Kyle Lowry or someone like that. And there's not a lot of those guys to go around, so don't get me wrong, but there's certainly um, players out there that are better at it than than Smart probably would be. Um, And I'm not saying they need to dump Smart. I think they can keep Smart if they want to. Um, I think he probably would have a decent amount of trade value. Um, I think someone like Robert Williams would have some good trade value. I don't know if they want to get rid of him. He's only 24, but he's super injury prone as we've seen. But if they do want to switch things up, they're going to have to trade at least one of Robert Williams, Smart, or Brown, most likely. I don't think they're going to get a ton for Horford. He's on a big deal, and he's 36 now. Derek White, they just traded a first-round pick for. Um, I thought that was a little bit of an overpay. But he's a good player, but he can't. He's being relied on to be their third guard. I think he's a, a decent third guard maybe, but I I don't know. He's a good third guard when you've got a really good point guard, but when he's sometimes having to be the main guy when Smart's having an off day, that that's kind of tough as well. And they, they've just got a lot of guards that aren't great shooters, guards that aren't great um, facilitators. They don't... Um, like manipulate the defense and the way that you'd want your point guard to do so. They're good passers. Um, but then you've seen that the, the team was just really sloppy with the ball throughout the playoffs, specifically in the finals. Um, and that was really their downfall. I mean, they just turned the ball over so much. They were so sloppy. And you can maybe overcome that if you're if your star wing players are really good with the ball. Like if I mean, I know this is an unrealistic um, comparison, but if you've got LeBron James, for example, he turns the ball over a lot, but he's going to make so many other plays for other people that it's going to um, even out a little bit. 
but when you've got guys like Brown and Tatum, Brown is so sloppy with the ball. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing that he's able to score how he is with how, <laughs> how bad he is at dribbling. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with them. I really think they've got a lot of guys that are, should be a fourth or fifth option on the court um, between White, Horford, both the Williamses, Pritchard. Like those guys can't be your your second or third option on the court at any time. Um, and when Brown and Tatum or when one of them's sitting, one of those guys has to be their number two, if not number one, when they're both off. And then even when they're both on, someone's got to be their third option. It's smart. Um, it's normally smart um, is what I mean. But yeah, I just think that they, they're they obviously an elite defensive team. They're very versatile, but they've got a lot of the same types of role players, guys that are not great shooters but can make shots they're good on defense but they're not um gonna necessarily create for the other people and not a lot of guys that really can get their own shot either um you're not gonna dump it down to horford on the post you're not gonna do that with robert williams either um pritchard is more of a catch and shoot guy at least he played like that throughout the the postseason Derek White can create a little bit, but I'm not really sure you want Derek White, be, Derek White being your main creator um, in, in an ISO type situation. And the same thing with Smart. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with them. I think it'd be interesting if they were able to add a guy like Beal. Um, doesn't have to be as big of a name as him even, um, but just someone that can be a little bit more reliable as a third or second option. Um, they can create not only for themselves, but for others. Or if they were able to somehow get um, more of a true point guard, even someone like if John Wall got bought out, I obviously, I don't know how much he's got left in the tank. He hasn't played in like a year and a half and he, he certainly wasn't himself, but he wasn't awful. I mean, he was putting some stats up. Houston was really bad. He's clearly lost a step defensively, but I still think they could benefit from his playmaking. Um, and yeah, I, I wouldn't mind them bringing in someone like that, especially if it was on a buyout so they wouldn't even have to give up any assets and they'd probably be able to give him a very uh, small contract. I think that'd be a great uh, pickup for them. <laughs> I didn't realize it's funny. I said Beal and Wall um, just pretty much take the Washington backcourt. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's where I'm at with the Celtics. I still think they have a bright future ahead, but I don't think they should um, sit around and just run it back. I think a lot of teams make that mistake when they lose in the finals. I know the Heat did it two years ago, and then they end up with a really subpar next season. Block um, got swept in the first round. And then that's after that, they added Lowry, who I think was a big boost for them. Um, the Suns did a little bit this year, too. They um, they added JaVale McGee and Landry Shamet, but that was about it. Those guys aren't necessarily going to move the needle. They pretty much ran it back and... Worked in the regular season, but clearly wasn't enough in the in the postseason. I think they're a team that um, needs to pull off a Kyle Lowry type move this offseason as well. Obviously, they don't need a point guard, but that caliber of player that can come in and um, make an impact more so than just filling in the um, the gaps of the the bench, for example. Thank you so much for everyone that listened. Uh, once again, this is the Sean Jones NBA show um, inaugural episode. Uh, probably do another one this week related to the NBA draft. I know we have it coming up on Thursdays. A lot of trade rumors going around. Um, something dropped today about Kyrie potentially departing Brooklyn. So should be a lot to talk about. Um, but I'll talk to you soon. Thanks.